0: Welcome to WeRDB. I am Brenton, joined as always by Danielle. That's me. Thanks again for joining us this week as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week, rated as number 28 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world, is The Green Mile. Released in 1999, starring Tom Hanks and Michael Clarke Duncan, The Green Mile is a prison drama set in the US state of Louisiana, mostly set in 1935. Based on the serial novel by Stephen King from 1996, The Green Mile is written for the screen, produced and directed by Frank Darabont. So, because the last film that Frank Darabont did before this was The Shawshank Redemption... We're going to be drawing a lot of comparisons to that, I think.
1: Did you say serial novel?
0: Yeah, he released it as a six-part series. Really? Yeah. Interesting. um, I've seen it in parts at, like, thrift stores and stuff, where you can get, like, The Green Mile, part three and four. um, And I think at the end of that, he did eventually release it as a single novel, Hmm. but they were released in monthly installments, I believe they were. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder why he, he chose to do that. I don't know. Yeah. Builds up the hype. Probably. So I think this movie feels a lot like Shawshank. I love Shawshank and I love The Green Mile. Like, I forgot how much I loved this. It's been a few years since I've seen it. But it's like the exact same epic prison drama feel. It's set in the mid-20th century. It's based on a Stephen King. Frank Darabont's directing. It even sounds like it with Thomas Newman doing the score.
1: I was going to say... To sit here and realize all of, like, same writer, same director, same blah, 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 like, they actually are incredibly, incredibly similar feeling. Um, Like you said, like, the ambiance of the movie, the lighting of the sets, the scripting, even, which makes sense. But yeah, they do feel very, very similar, which makes perfect sense now that I know that they're written and directed by the same people.
0: You didn't know that before?
1: I think I just never put two and two together. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, in my mind, I would put this up there with Shawshank. Um, I would also. Shawshank is currently number one on the list. and has been for several years, so I'd recommend going to listen to that episode where we cover that one um, because I have read Shawshank and we do a bit of a comparison on that. But I think that this movie deserves to be in the top 10, at least. This is 28 currently. And I think there's one reason as to why it's not. And we'll get into that more into spoilers. But I'd like to have a discussion as to why this is definitely rated high. Like, 28 out of all time is pretty good. But I think it deserves to be up there with Shawshank.
1: I think this is actually a better movie than Shawshank. Okay. For a few reasons. Um, Especially because, like... Really, they're on par because they're written by the same author, and they're directed by the same person, and the score is by the same person. So that gives you this really unique opportunity to judge it solely on story and acting, which you don't get all the time. Like, you have to take into consideration so many different things when you're comparing movies that are completely different, written by different people, um, different genres and everything. Like, these are... Honestly, pretty much the same movie, but with a different story and different actors. There's you know what I mean.
0: A few actors in this that overlap. Um, yeah, and I'd love to know that they're like in the same universe because this was set probably ten years or so before Shawshank starts. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the prison guards, the older guy, he is uh, Andy Dufresne's lawyer, so he's still in the like the.
1: Mm. Was it Harry? The guy who plays I don't Harry. Don't remember
0: his name. Yeah,
1: the guy, the old guy with gray hair and glasses. Yeah. we thought he was doped.
0: Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, okay. See, I'd like to think that that character like is still in the law side of things and is his career, but he just went to law school and now he's Andy Dufresne's lawyer. Um, yeah. Or even I compare this a lot to uh, Saving Private Ryan because of Tom Hanks and Barry Pepper, who's also one of the guards there. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're both in Saving Private Ryan that we did a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, See, this is... I was going to say, this is the kind of, like, cinematic universe that I'd love to see. Where it's, like, subtly got the same characters. Like, what if Tom Hanks' character, like, went to war with... Whatever. It doesn't really make sense with the way the characters work in either of those movies. But I'd love to see, like... A different take on the cinematic universe. People who do these these days, like mm. obviously, there's the superhero one, but they've been like the universal tried to do it with the monsters and that didn't work. Um, even Kevin Smith, all of his movies are in the same universe yeah, and they have a lot of crossover I was there.
1: The same thing, yeah. yeah.
0: I'd love to see like a cinematic universe where it's a bunch of movies based with the same characters but they don't like focus Stephen on King. it at all. Yeah, Stephen well, Stephen King, Stephen
1: King cinematic King... universe.
0: I believe Stephen, all of Stephen King's novels are meant to be set in the same universe.
1: Okay, because so it would I actually think
0: work. I'm trying to think. There was something recent, and i say recent in the last five years. There was a book or a TV series. I think it was a book where he he references like the hotel from The Shining and Shawshank Prison. I'm trying to think what it is. I'm sorry that I butchered that, but I know that Stephen King has said in his his works that. Uh, a lot all of his works are all in the same universe, which is pretty cool. That's cool. That um, is cool. Yeah.
1: Um. Back to why I think this is actually better than Shawshank. I feel like this story is kind of more compelling. Like, because it's got some mysticism to it. Whereas in the Shawshank Redemption, it's a really interesting, good story written about you know these men living in a prison but that's really all there is to it whereas with this one it's it's a really interesting creative take on something and i thought what an interesting pick to put that sort of mystical element into the 30s you know why the 30s why not the 20s why not the 60s you mm-hmm. know it just it kind of it kind of works um because you don't think about the like that period and these kind of ideas crossing over but it actually works really well because you know people were very religious and so the idea of miracles kind of makes sense within the context of society at that time um it would have been somewhat accepted so you've got that story element of it you've also got the acting element so you have the two main characters in the Shawshank Redemption are Red and Andy played by Morgan Freeman yeah, thank you. I'm like, Malcolm X. No, wrong black guy. Um, <laughs> Morgan Freeman and uh, Tim Robbins. And then you've got Paul and John, played by Tom Hanks and Michael Clark Duncan. These two sets of characters have two very different dynamics within mm-hmm. their relationships. One's much more of a close friendship. The other mu- one is very much a disjointed power dynamic but with a lot of mutual respect um and that creates this really interesting sort of chemistry between those two characters that i think was played out beautifully and perfectly and the people chosen to play those characters could not have been better cast you know what i mean
0: yeah i agree especially with marco clock duncan
1: yes he just he was amazing amazing in it and i think just sort of the elements of what the story's about and how it was created cinematically, um, because there's a lot of hard-hitting points, along with who played those characters. By the way, all the people in The Green Mile were so well cast. Everybody was so well cast, because there's characters who you're like, I love that character, and there's characters... I always say, if I fucking hate somebody, that is an amazing actor. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So... There's just so many layers.
0: Even down to the warden or Bonnie Hunt as his wife. Like, even the side characters are are amazing.
1: They're just so well cast. So all of that compiled, I think, actually makes a better movie. Like, in terms of being rated, I think Shawshank and the Green Mile should switch places. That's my personal opinion. Okay, so you think Shawshank should
0: be at 28? Or do you think it still deserves the top ten?
1: I think it still deserves the top ten, but I like that was an interesting pick for me for number one, and this mm-hmm. to me because you're comparing it, like like I said, they're pretty much the same movie with different stories. Um, I think the Green Mile should be in number one.
0: So you like it better because you like the dynamic between the two main characters better than those two main characters,
1: and it's also a more cinematically interesting story. It's a story okay. that's more interestingly portrayed as film.
0: Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? And I, I don't mean? think
0: uh the Shawshank Redemption had um its purpose wasn't to do that, it was to do something else. And what it is trying yes. to do, I think it does very well. Yes. I'm just thinking like can you imagine an entire movie, just a side note, that was focused on Brooks as a character?
1: Yeah. I would watch that.
0: Yeah, like him from when he He's a kid, and he makes a mistake, and I don't know what he does because he doesn't. It doesn't say anywhere. Mm. And then he goes to prison for sixty years, and then he has to like. That would it be a cool story. Must have been story. something
1: bad that he did. Yeah, like he must life have in prison. He probably killed someone. Yeah.
0: I mean, what else gets you life in prison, really?
1: Yeah, Back I would in read those that. days. Um. So my point is, I think just everything together makes this a movie that is more deserving of that number one spot. Shawshank is a fantastic movie I love that movie I love the story I just think like I remember even when we watched it and I didn't think it was number one material and even when we recorded the Shawshank Redemption episode I said like I think it's fine like I think it deserves it but that's also because I hadn't seen anything else that I could refute that with now I have you know what I mean
0: so you hadn't seen this before you claimed that you had, because you thought, cause I no. asked you beforehand, I'm like, have you seen this all the way through? You're like, yeah, I have okay. a few times.
1: Okay, Let's just... And you've,
0: you've said several times that you usually see snippets of movies growing yes, up because your Nana would because... put it on TV. We've said this before, particularly with Forrest Gump.
1: Did we? Okay. Yeah,
0: you outlined that in Forrest okay. Gump episode.
1: We'd just, we'd rock up on a Sunday and there'd be something on, and I had seen this lots just like I had seen shawshank lots but there were evidently uh for various reasons that we outlined when we were watching it uh sections of this movie that i hadn't seen which makes sense because there's certain parts of this movie that aren't appropriate for eight-year-olds not really but i had thought you'd
0: seen more of this than what you actually had when you watched it you're like i have not seen a lot of this
1: (laughs) i had really thought i had seen a lot more of this than i had yeah i i guess i probably only saw half Okay, maybe, it's scattered throughout. It's
0: not like first yeah. or last half. Um,
1: no, that there's a whole really long chunk in the middle where I'm like, I don't remember this at all. So
0: are you glad you're seeing it now?
1: Yes, this was one too that like there's some graphic stuff in it.
0: I think it's very necessary, though.
1: It is. I'm just surprised because usually I would have a really hard time with it, and I really didn't. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I think I have a harder time.
0: I think there was a point where you just like, oh, like that's fucked up, but it wasn't like you like I had to turn this off.
1: No, I think I had more of a hard time with um, oh, what the fuck was it called?
0: Saving Private Ryan.
1: No. Brokeback. No, the Hannibal Lecter.
0: Sons of the Lambs.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, Sons of the Lambs is is definitely a thriller. That's meant to induce those. And I don't think this is meant to be a thriller, Green Mile.
1: No, 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 no. I'm just saying there tend to be gruesome things involved in serial killer movies that I tend to have a hard time with because it's like gruesome coupled with, oh my God, that could happen to me. Whereas this is like gruesome. It's like, there's no way that could happen to me. So yeah, I think okay. that's why I had an easier time with it. Um,
0: have you yeah. learned your lesson that you probably should not watch all these great movies and snippets from time to time?
1: It's not my fault. I can't control what's on the TV when I'm seven.
0: <laughs> you're watching this when you're seven?
1: I remember like watching bits of it from when I was very, very young. You yes. know, I actually like, think uh, I did too. There was a school. few scenes yeah. in
0: this where I'm like, I remember that a lot from yeah. like when it came out. Yeah, I do have quite a lot of things to say in regards to what you you were saying, but I'm going to leave mm-hmm. that for the spoilers.
1: Okay. I don't think I spoiled it any either.
0: No, but you were very vague. If you haven't seen the movie, I'd recommend just going to see it because you probably wouldn't understand fully as to what was going yeah.
1: on. Yeah. I was vague on purpose because oh, I that's didn't fine. Want to spoil it.
0: I get that. So, this is, this movie's over three hours, isn't it? This is yeah. a three hour plus movie that's extensively like one set. It's basically based in one main set, which is Death Row.
1: Yeah, it's like the Death Row cell block.
0: Yeah, the, the Green Mile, yeah. Um, Which,
1: by the way, is a very interesting-looking prison that I would not want to rock up to for my first day on, like, a dreary Halloween-looking day. Oh, those
0: front facades. I don't know where that is, but that is an amazing set.
1: It looks like Dracula's castle.
0: And that's that's not even the main prison where this is set. This is set in Death Row to the side. It's, like, yep. one little prison block of, like, ten cells or ten so. Ten cells, yeah. Um, And I just... I think it's such an accomplishment to make such a compelling movie with very few characters based essentially in one set for over three hours. Like, I'm on the edge of my seat. I love every bit of this. Yeah. Any scene where I come into this, I'm like, okay, you've hooked me till the end now. I think that's accomplishment.
1: That's actually a really good point that I, like, you've done it well if I never noticed. Yeah. I didn't notice. There's a couple of scenes
0: here and there where you're you're in people's houses and and in the yard and stuff, but pretty much... I think there's,
1: like, four people's houses and an office. For a
0: scene or so, yeah.
1: Yeah, Um, and that's it. Other than that, it's, like, in the cell block and then in the execution room.
0: Another reason why I like this movie so much is I think every single person, okay, except for Sam Rockwell and Percy, uh, is so likable... Like, even the criminals in this, they're just so nice.
1: You say that, but I liked I liked Wild Bill, because he was just so ridiculous. I mean, terrible, loathsome, horrible person, but funny as all hell.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the way yeah. He, Sam Rockwell plays Wild Bill, oh my god. He is... He's nuts! ...absolutely perfect as the villain character, and he's, he's played the villain several times. Like, he's been a bit typecast in that, but... Man, he won an Oscar for being a villain, like, he's fucking terrific.
1: This is meant to be in Louisiana, right? Yes. He is really good at putting on that hick, deep south accent. Well, I don't
0: know where he's meant to be from exactly, because I think he does have a bit of an accent. I could look it up.
1: He could be Alabama or somewhere like that. Like, like Bill's character, you mean?
0: Uh, I meant Sam Rockwell. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. It's just, I've seen him in a couple different things where he's put that on, and then I remember seeing him in Iron Man 2, and I, I don't think I even realized that it was the same actor. No, he's from that California, first...
0: so he probably shouldn't have much of an accent.
1: Well, then kudos to him for being able to put it on so well.
0: Well, yeah, I'm just thinking of Vice, where he played uh, George W. Bush recently. He has that mm. Texas accent on, and he sounds like um, George Bush in there. Mm. Um. Yeah, there's quite a few things where he's in and he's just he's just fantastic.
1: Side note too, I was surprised at how much he actually looks like him in that role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just
1: saying. Like that's one where I wouldn't have thought of it and then you make him up and I'm like, "Damn." Anyways, um back I like to Like roles about where the they Oscars.
0: do that where it's like you're going to make that actor into this person and then you do it up and you're like, "Oh, yeah, no, that's oh, that's actually yeah. perfect. That's great." Yep. <laughs> um No, I was just going back to... So, he won the Oscar for Best uh, Supporting Actor, I think it was, in Three Billboards? Last year or the year before?
1: Again, he was amazing in that, too. Playing
0: an asshole in that, but he's just... He's great. I fucking love Sam Rockwell. And this was the first time I ever saw him.
1: He was essentially the same character in that movie. As this? Yeah. Pretty much. Like, that is, like...
0: Well, that's what I mean by he's been typecast.
1: Pathologically twisted, but, like, in terms of his behavior, Yeah.
0: I haven't seen him in Seven Psychopaths, which I've heard is very good, and I can imagine I he's playing see a very that. similar oh character.
1: Oh my god! It'd yeah. be so good.
0: Um, between The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile, they were nominated for a combined eleven Oscars, and they didn't win a single one.
1: <gasps> for shame!
0: Isn't that just like for so shame. shocking?
1: shame, Yes. Has Frank Darabont won anything for directing?
0: I don't think so. He's been nominated, but I don't think For he's shame. ever really... He hasn't really done a hell of a lot. He's, he's in a very niche market. Like, he's done three of these movies that are based on Stephen King.
1: What was the third?
0: Uh, it's called The Mist. It's from 2007. All I right. haven't seen it. I'd like to see I it. I just
1: wanted to say, he makes... The only ones of his that I know that I've seen are The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile. They are feel-good movies. Which yeah. is interesting because they're not about feel good things.
0: Yes, and I think you know that's I mean? very good storytelling to be able to do that. Yes. Um, and that could be on Stephen King as well, but the two of them working together, brilliant. It's, like, it's you couldn't gold. get much better. I can't.
1: Than that. I am personally offended on both of the, the, the behalf of those men because that's. I can't believe that.
0: I wonder you if know? any Stephen King movie has won an Oscar. If anything, it should be these. Mm um, I'd be surprised if uh, Stephen King, who's like the most adapted author in history to uh, have not have anything, he's had remakes and reboots on his stuff. That's how long he's been doing this for. Um, I'm surprised it didn't even get a uh, best adapted screenplay. Yeah. yeah, so I was basically saying before we went on Wild Bill that I really like the characters in this and I think they're all very likable like even even the criminals that are on death row, Um, they're all, they're not like crazy criminals. They're on their, their deathbed. Basically they're sort of, um, remorseful and forgiving. And they're just trying to, trying to have some sort of redemption towards the end there. Uh, and maybe that's why they're more of a likable character there.
1: I really like what, what would they be guards? What would their title be? Prison guards? Tom Hanks's character. Paul Edgecombe, and Brutal Howl, I think, is his name. Brutal, what an interesting So his first
0: name's Brutal, yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyways, and I think Harry's character, too. Somebody says to... They're trying to explain it to Percy because he's just a fucking dick. Like, he's just an idiot and an asshole. Um, And they say that you need to treat the inmates more like patients in a mental hospital than you do, like, criminals. Because they're in a very delicate state because they all know that they're at the end of their life and so anybody would be edgy about that and anything could set them off and you don't want to make them like people do crazy stuff when they're really stressed and in a really like high intensity situation you know what i mean
0: which is essentially what hanks's character says
1: you yeah that's exactly what it says point. no because like they're there you know like he could treat I mean, he shouldn't, but he could treat inmates on any other cell block like that and it would be somewhat more okay and understandable Mm. because they're eventually going to get out. You know what I mean? I'm glad
0: that they went with this more of a respectful sort of approach rather than being... Because in the 30s, you could very much have taken that stance. You could have shown the way that... uh... What's her name? Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest treats her patients. Or even some of the guards treat their prisoners in Shawshank. Exactly. You could have gone that way.
1: Yeah. But this the whole point of it was to show that other side of the coin.
0: And it makes them also likable. That's, that's why I like them.
1: Yeah. And that was the point of the story, right? Like It was to show this really interesting dynamic that was developed between these inmates and these guards.
0: And I also really like that they very much work as a team, and I love that. They all have each other's back, like always, and they they feel more like a family dynamic rather than just colleagues, and I I like that. That makes me feel for the characters a lot more in their, in their yeah. roles and things.
1: To build on what we were talking about, I feel like for those guards to do their jobs well, you'd really have to have a very good understanding of people and to an extent psychology and understanding about how people think and how people behave because looking at dale his name was edward but they called him dale
0: i thought his last name was delamar so it's del it's that could be del wrong something there. yeah
1: um anyways delacroix yeah there you go i'm like it's not delmar that's from
0: brokeback, brokeback. yeah <laughs> i had no idea that that guy was Like, French. spent to be speaking French. The Michael Jeter character.
1: I didn't realize it until this watch of it. Okay. The only reason I caught it was because Paul said to him, your English gets better when you want something. I'm like, what would he be speaking if it wasn't English, if they're in Louisiana? Oh, geez, they're in Louisiana. Of course he's speaking French. He's Cajun.
0: Yeah. I'd never made that connection there before.
1: Me neither. Um,
0: And then once you mentioned that, I was picking up on a few other things that he had said in French.
1: Well, there's one, yeah, because this accent is so hard for me to understand. Like, there's a couple instances where he's like, merci beaucoup, thank you very much. Yeah. But the way he speaks, it's this muddled southern French accent. Like, it's like if you took an Alabama accent and a French accent and smushed them together really in a messy way, that's his accent. And I made a note, there's points where it's like, I have no fucking idea what the, what someone just said, mm-hmm. because the Louisiana accent, it's really difficult for me. Like, I can understand Texan, and I can understand Alabama, but it's right in the middle, and it's got some other shit thrown in there, and it's like, it just sounds like you're just making sounds sometimes.
0: Can I just talk about that character for a second? It, yes. He seems so simple-minded and childlike. It makes you wonder what he did to get into that position?
1: Yeah. Because because he he
0: doesn't seem capable of it.
1: I think there was some mention of it that Percy said in the beginning or something, like, he was assessed for sanity, and Mm -hmm. he was assessed as sane, but that goes to show that for whatever he did, there was some indication that they wanted to see whether or not he was, like...
0: Aware of his actions.
1: Yeah, and they determined that actually he was, but that kind of makes sense. Like he probably could have some intellectual disability, but those again are on a spectrum. So he could have enough understanding to know what he did and be aware of it and understand that it's wrong, but have enough of a incapacity to not be a very intelligent person. You know what I mean? So it kind of makes sense. And the fact that they brought up that he had been assessed makes sense.
0: I didn't remember that, but you must have picked up on it, so...
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Going on about the guards treating everyone with such respect, the criminals, mm. even after they're dead, they treat them like he's paid his dues now, he is now an innocent man. This this corpse, this person is now innocent. They are free to go. Treat them like any other person, mm-hmm. and I love that. That mentality yeah. of just that respect, because I hadn't really thought of that. I'm like, yeah, that's... Like, he was punished for this thing. Now that you've paid your debt, you're, you're square. And he's, he yeah. says that he's square with the house. And I love that, because he's, like, treating him with respect. This guy mm-hmm. is no longer a criminal. And I really like that mentality. Um, mm-hmm. It's just all these little things about the interactions between the actors and the characters really makes me feel for them as as a group, as a collective.
1: Well, and as a death row guard, as opposed to a guard on another cell block, these people... They're faced with... They know they're gonna die. All they've got left to do is either be mad about it or be sorry for what they did. And you spend so much time as a guard with those prisoners that you would really get to know them on a lot more intimate level than other places in the prison. And so they they would really feel for them because... They spend so much time with them, they get to know them, you know what I mean? Well, more
0: than just time, I think that you would see a different side of humanity. You'd see a different side of the prisoners that come to here. You see who they really are in their last moments and what's important to them.
1: They're very vulnerable people at this point, emotionally vulnerable.
0: It's just to think about the prison guards who work in this cell as opposed mm. to that main creepy building, scary one, mm. uh, they have very different interactions with their prisoners because of Absolutely. the nature of the, the reason why they're there. And I just think that's, that's an interesting thought that I hadn't thought of because it's like, oh, you're a prison guard, they all go do the same thing. But the people working on Death Row would have a very different experience with their criminals and the interactions between them and the dialogue between them um, because this is the last time you'll see someone.
1: Yeah, and really, as a criminal on death row, what reason would you have to get rowdy? You yeah. You know what I mean? you, you do Except see for Wild it a bit, Bill,
0: because he loves it for the fun of it. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, but like, in other blocks, it's like, you're just doing your time, you're trying to pass the time, so if it involves getting in a fight, or pissing someone off, or being a dick, or whatever, just to get a laugh, that makes sense, whereas like, over there, you're like, I've got nothing left, like, I'm just a person, like, just talk to me. You know what I mean? Just treat me like a person. You know what I mean? Which happens, because you don't see them... They're all kind to each other, even though they don't get to spend any time physically with each other, even among the prisoners. Like, you're in such close proximity, you know who everybody is. Right? You can talk to people. Yeah.
0: Well, I'd never seen Death Row represented before, and I don't think I really have this well since. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I wonder how accurate it is. I reckon it is to an extent. I'm... but I would like to know how accurate it is in terms of the entire process because I didn't know about the whole wedding the sponge on the head and the whole electric chair thing um, or this process of calling it the mile. And I would like to know as to whether or not that's pretty accurate because I think it's it's represented mm. very well.
1: I mean, it probably is quite accurate to what it used to be.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean, in the 30s.
1: What always gets me is...
0: They don't still use the chair, do they?
1: No, I think it's all lethal injection, at least in the The US. US. Okay. Yeah, because they do still have the death penalty, but I think it's all lethal injection, which apparently isn't all daisies and flowers anyway.
0: What other developed country even has the death penalty?
1: Uh, Developed country? I don't know.
0: I can't think of another one.
1: I was going to say there's plenty of countries that still do have it, but whether or not they're developed is a different question. Um, like, I'm pretty sure a lot of places in the Middle East still do hangings, even.
0: Hangings, okay.
1: Yeah. Um, what gets me is that I, I don't understand why they hold them for so long.
0: Uh, in the cell block?
1: Yeah, like, why? Okay, so it's been determined, you're going to be executed, why don't you just do it?
0: Um, well, how long do you think that they're in the cell for? Because I was thinking, like, four to six weeks.
1: Yeah, but that's still a really long time. That is time. a long
0: time. I'm just asking, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. I'm is just, that what it seems I'm seemed, trying like? to remember. Something like that. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I watched a special about women on death row in the U.S., and I feel like they'd said something about they'd been in there for like a year i'm like that's a ridiculous seems like
0: a long time time. yeah yeah Uh, a month i can see because maybe there's just like finalizing the legal proceedings organizing people to come and do this
1: i just think psychologically probably a lot of
0: paperwork and shit
1: it isn't fair to people to put them in a position of stress like that for an excessive amount of time because then you are gonna snap Because you're like, well, when's it going to happen then? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think you'd want it to last a whole lot longer. Like you want it to last long enough that the initial angst kind of wears off and you get time to accept that this is what's going to happen to you. But you wouldn't want it to be excessively long because then I feel like you'd go kind of through your stress levels would peak and then they'd kind of plateau and dip. And if you were in there too long, they'd start to rise again. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, 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 that's a good good way to look at it. Um, I think I am going to get into spoilers now. I'd be surprised if okay. you're still with us and you haven't seen this movie because we have been talking a fair bit about it, so... Spoiler warning! I wanted to go back to you saying that you think this movie is better than Shawshank, and I think there's one reason as to why I don't think that it's in the top ten. I think the reason why it's not rated higher in people's minds and not in the top 10 is because of the supernatural elements. Okay. And you were saying that you think it deserves to be up there because of the supernatural elements. Is that right?
1: Yeah, because those elements make for, like, they're intertwined so simply into a very, what would otherwise be a very real-life story,
0: and I think that takes it out for me. Like, I want to know that this could could be happen. You know, I want to know that this could have been a true story, like, based on a true story kind of thing. And that that makes a, such a big disconnection for me once you start adding those elements in there.
1: But for me, if miracles really did happen, I would hope that they would exist like this rather than the sky opened up and an angel came down in a beam of white light. You know what I mean? Like all of this over the top Christianized imagery that we're used to seeing. I would hope that it would be something like this where it's like, we don't really understand it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even with paranormal elements, like everybody kind of knows what's supposed to happen with ghosts, right? There's a kind of set parameters that that experience will fall into and most of the time if somebody has an experience like that that's how it falls and this to me fits more in with that because it's like i don't get it it kind of makes sense but i still don't understand it but it's not this like way out of the blue crazy imagery yeah like in biblical miracles and stuff
0: yeah because what coffee can actually do is he obviously heals people he can bring the mouse back from the dead He can feel people's energy, which I think was really cool. He has a Mm. form of um, telepathy. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else does he really have? He can feel energy, really, and manipulate it. He can see people's memories.
1: And he can... He's telepathic in Mm. that he can see people's memories and lives, and he can feel the pain of the world. So he can sit there, and he's like, "I, I see all the ugliness in the world, and it's like glass in my head every day. Like, his whole life is an existence of feeling like little knives are being stabbed into his head because he can hear and feel and see all of the bad things that are happening in the world all the time. Mm. And it manifests itself as that pain for him. Okay,
0: I'll give you that. I do like the representation there. And I think that this is a better representation of those powers, quote-unquote, than than something more cartoony. But I think... yeah. The reason why I put something like The Dark Knight ups in such high regard as superhero movies is because it's so based in reality. No one in that movie has superpowers. They're all just, like, very real-life people doing real-life things with, like, crazy gadgets and things uh, and face makeup, rather than actually having supernatural powers or going to space or some shit. And that's why I like that movie. I love movies like that. Yes. And the thing that makes me... Like Green Mile, slightly less. Like the thing that doesn't make it a 10 out of 10 and makes it like nine and a half is because of those supernatural things. Uh, for me, I it think, disconnects it for me.
1: Yeah. I think for me, I like it so much because I think if those things did exist, that's exactly how they would look. It follows the schema of like what are our known perceptions of psychic abilities, like what are our known experiences of mediumship and all of those kinds of things like and this kind of it puts these powers into the same schema as those and so for me even though it is paranormal and supernatural it's still relatable enough to a real human experience you know what i yeah.
0: mean
1: yeah yeah so i i'd prefer this than than say something like the twins out of the mcu you know what i mean like nobody oh, right, can do yeah. that Right, like well, she's yeah, they, they manipulating were meant to be shit, mutants. or even like, even like the kids in the Matrix, you know?
0: Yeah, with like bending spoons and shit.
1: Yeah, this to me is a lot more. Like, I would think that if any of it, it did exist, it would exist like this.
0: What I do think is a weird representation is the fact that he can suck it out and then like it spits out of his mouth as like all these bugs. I yeah. think that's a weird representation. I don't know if that's depicted in the book or not, or if it was a cinematic choice. Why do you think that it's been manifested as all these bugs?
1: I'm glad you asked me that. So <laughs> Okay.
0: That always takes me out of it, seeing those scenes.
1: Yeah, there's a few different reasons why I think they did this expressly as the way they did. So he's removing healing And it's made more powerful and more tangible by the fact that you see that he takes it out and then, like, removes it from himself, as opposed to just, like, say, laying his hands on you and you're fixed. I mean, he kind of did do that with Paul, but, like...
0: Yeah, but he still spat shit out at the end of that, didn't he?
1: Yeah, but... Actually, yeah, you're right. If it's like, if he just touched you and he's like, I healed you, like, Jesus, I guess. Yeah. Then it's like, well, what did you... You didn't do anything, you just touched me, and it's just, like... Good luck Yeah, so it makes more Whereas of a visual this... connection
0: there. So you're like, something happened.
1: Something happened and it was him because he touched you and then something came out of him. So the the idea is that you can really visually convey yeah, okay. the fact that he took it from you, put it into himself, and then removed it, right? So do
0: you think it was just a, like a directorial kind of decision there?
1: Probably. It's, it's good visual storytelling. Okay. You know what I mean? There's no misinterpretation of what happens because like the flow of events, it makes sense visually so that as an audience member you don't have any questions about what just happened, sort of, you know what I mean? Even
0: towards the end there when he heals the lady in Mm -hmm. bed, he doesn't spit anything up and he goes all the way back to the cell and then he grabs Percy and spits it down his throat.
1: He did that on purpose.
0: He did, which, I, again, going off that visual representation, you probably wouldn't have got that unless you had the bugs, right? So yeah. you can see that he got whatever negativity was out of her, put it into him, and then Percy went and killed Wild Bill. Um, yeah. Which I think is a really cool scene because even though Percy is like not the same from that point forward, you can sort of see that the character of Percy is still in there because he, he can you can see him crying. Yeah. And I think that's such a nice touch.
1: He always has that one little tear. Yeah, and you can see he's, like, scared shitless of Inside what's happening. Inside that body, cause, yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't know what's happening. Um,
0: that makes that scene so much more deep and weird. It
1: does. To go back to the representation of the illness, or, yeah, let's just call it illness, injury... Pain, whatever it is that he's taking out of people. I
0: called it negativity because it's all sort of... It's whatever you don't want.
1: And negative energy. Yeah. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about that we did talk about is the movement. The second thing is the intimacy. So he's always got to be touching you. And often he's using his mouth. So with the mouse, with Mr. Jingles, he breathes life back into him from his mouth. And with other people he removes or inflicts that energy with his mouth and I think it's because it's really intimate and something mm. like this, again, someone grabbing your face and putting their mouth on your mouth is so much more jarring than somebody touching you, just touching you on the arm or something, you know what is I mean?
0: Is that because it's like the mouth is the portal to the soul?
1: So well, the eyes are meant to be the portal to the soul. but the eyes. Yeah, the eyes are the window to your soul.
0: Okay. I was was asking. I don't know.
1: I I don't know if there's anything like that in, like, mythology or things, but to me, you think about kissing. Kissing is a weird thing. It is. Right? So, the fact is that, like, for someone to, to take this so personal thing away from you, it has to be a very intimate act. So, to me, him breathing that negativity out of you is a very... It shows the intimacy, and to me, you shouldn't be able to fix that without doing something very intimate like that. Breathing again, you need to breathe to live, so him, you know, pulling it out of you with breath and then removing it with breath, again, makes sense. Um, and then the bugs. Bugs are pests, you know what I mean? In in the yeah, Bible, they talk about pestilence. Yeah, like the locusts, or just like... Things like you go into a swarm of bees and they're going to inflict all this pain on you. like. And to me too, that noise, like you hear them buzz. and yeah. then I never realized before they kind of disappear into little puffs of smoke. Yeah. I thought that was such great imagery. Well,
0: even representing it uh, with the comparison to bees, bees are colorful. These things are like dark and dreary. Like they're not like normal bugs. Bugs are colorful.
1: They're like... Something like a big gray gnat or a fly. You know what I mean?
0: Bugs that you don't want, yeah.
1: They're not black, like, because flies are black. These are like a muddy brown. Like, they're just, they're so, they're made to look really repulsive and gross. Mm. And I think the reason for bugs what do you see bugs swarming around things that are rotten and things that are dangerous and things that you don't want to be around and the noise even like that noise makes you so uncomfortable like if you're going to depict something that is representing negative energy you want to pick things that you don't want to be around
0: that's an interesting choice that's all yeah. And I'm just trying to think I'd like to know if it was if it was Stephen King or Frank that did that because it is an interesting yeah. representation. Personally, it does take me out a little bit, but I can definitely see why you did it. Um I can see a justification for it.
1: See, and to me like I find it so interesting again to, you know, repeat here. Um you say it takes you out of it to me. Again, those are all elements that are so relatable that on a subconscious level make perfect sense. And that's to me, is why I would think that this is what this would look like if it actually happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I would react better to, I think, a swarm of bugs than, say, some black smoke or something. You know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. makes more sense. Because smoke, what's smoke going to do? You know what I mean? Smoke doesn't crawl on you and stick to you and make you feel uncomfortable in the same way that that negative energy would make you feel those bugs do that you know what yeah. i mean yeah i thought it was very very well thought out
0: i just wanted to go on the character of percy mm-hmm. i think that this is one of the worst villains ever depicted in film and he's really not like he's not a serial killer he's not going around slaying people but he's so
1: he's just a such horrible a person. fucking
0: prick really mm-hmm. horrible person And usually when you see a villain, they're like, I'm going to take over the world, or I'm going to, you know, turn these Dalmatian puppies into a suit sort of thing. Um, And I think that this is a different level, where it's, like, so such intimate fuckery that he does in this.
1: Do you know what? This is a really interesting comparison that I just drew. To me, he is a lot like the Joker, like Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm. Because he likes to cause trouble... For shits and giggles. He likes to do it just for the fun of it. He
0: likes to disrupt the status quo, though. Like, the Joker likes to fuck with the masses. Yeah. Percy likes to fuck with very specific things. It's very intimate. And people. Yeah. The Joker likes to mess around with the flow of things.
1: Yes. But my point being, they both do it for no real reason. You know? Like... The Joker th- thrives on chaos, whereas Percy, he's like, he just likes being mean. He just likes to be mean.
0: Yeah, and I like how Tom Hanks like really gives it to him for a couple of times in this movie. Um, yeah, there's a point where Brutal punches him in the face, and I got I get giddy every time. I'm like, fuck yeah.
1: Do you know what's one of my favorite lines in this? He's like, "Are you really that stupid to think that we don't know people too?" Yeah, and you see in his eyes, he's like oh shit he's like he'd never even thought of that because he's the governor's nephew right? i think he
0: says that like are you really that ignorant like seriously
1: <laughs> he does he's like the line is are you really so stupid yeah. to think that we don't know people too
0: and i love like, that i depiction know people of, like,
1: important people
0: paul edgecombe is he's the manager i don't give a fuck what your connections are i'm still the boss around here and he shows it and he shows it very mm-hmm. well um mm-hmm. And again, you've you've got such a respect for this character. Like even in when he's not feeling down, he gets people. He orders them out of the out of the mile to do, go with these errands, do these things. He's very professional, mm-hmm. and then he like breaks down. Mm-hmm. It's kind of very similar to Hanks's character in Saving Private Ryan. Now I think about it, because that character didn't want his crew to see him crying. He didn't want to tell him that he was a teacher. And there's a scene in there where he goes and hides. Just after they killed the medic and he's crying. Um mm-hmm. and it's very it's it's very similar there where he's they're both very good leaders. And I like yes. that. I like seeing people who are good at what they do. And you have some respect for them when they can do it. They got some balls and some ground to stand on, but they do it mm-hmm. in a very respectful manner. I think that's like a hallmark for a good leader where you're like you still have that higher ground even though you can be you can stand your ground, I guess.
1: Yeah. No, I definitely understand what you're referring to. I there. just
0: really like how he handles Percy's character in this.
1: But even then, like once he's essentially a vegetable after John gives him the bugs, um, and as soon as that happens, which I think
0: is kind of funny because he goes to Briar Ridge. He said he's getting getting yeah. shipped to Briar Ridge the next day or whatever.
1: He's getting transferred. He's yeah. getting
0: transferred. Yeah, um, and he ends and he, up he going. He, he, does. he actually does. As a
1: patient. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a nice touch. Um, but what happens there is like as soon as he's given them because they're like john don't do that no 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 right and then he's got the bugs and they're like easy now like is he okay you know what i mean like they were just ready to fucking throw him to the wolves and as soon as something bad happened to him they're still like oh crap you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it shows what kind of people they are because they're not like oh he deserved it the fucker i mean they they feel that way but they still want to make sure like he's okay you know what i mean yeah. And that uh, really says about the ki- like something about the kind of people they are.
0: So, Edward.
1: Yes. Dale.
0: He, he yeah, Dale. He laughed at Percy for pissing his pants cuz he got scared from Wild Bill. So mm-hmm. because he laughed, he killed his mouse and stamped on his mouse. Yeah. And Coffee brought the mouse back to life. So therefore Percy didn't get his like satisfaction. Payback. Satisfaction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So, he just burns that motherfucker alive. Like, yeah, because that's, like, justified. That's essentially the trail that happened there, right?
1: Yeah, he's like, I want to see you in pain. And, like, I was really...
0: That was his last chance for payback. But
1: I was like, oh, and I I watched, and, you know, they turn around and they say, you watch. You did this. Right, and it's like, you don't deserve to not look at what you did.
0: When he's sitting there, it goes on for a couple of minutes, when he's sitting there and his face is on fire,
1: Mm. how do you
0: not just pull out your pistol and shoot him in the face? Like, that's what I would have done as a professional decision to do.
1: Do you know why they probably couldn't? Is because there were all those townspeople there. And it would be even more traumatic.
0: Would it, though? To have this guy smelling the place up, burning alive, they would like, tr- scrambling in to get so to the door. In so much pain. If you had a guard with a pistol, you know these people, they're safe, you trust them, you, you can see mm. that this situation has gone haywire, and you shoot him just once in the face, put him out of his misery, turn that off, you know, turn off the power. There's gotta
1: be, like, I'm wondering if there's some physical, scientific reason as to why you couldn't. Like, is there some way that the bullet's gonna conduct it the electricity to you like I
0: don't think so I don't think that's the reason if anything it would be prison protocol Mm. as to you're not allowed to like pull out your weapon for any reason like that or you're not allowed to turn off the power until the thing's done or some shit like that right
1: did they even have guns
0: I think they did or they just had the bat- batons?
1: No, they did because that's how Percy kills Wild Bill. Right, yeah. Yeah, so... I'd
0: be very surprised if prison guards in the US in the 30s didn't have guns on them at all times. Yeah. <laughs> they even had shotguns yeah. in a few of the scenes. Um,
1: well, I'm just thinking, too, even in Shawshank, the guy who dies right at the beginning, he gets beat to death with the butt of that pistol. That's how he kills him. You no,
0: know, he had a baton as well. Oh, did he? I thought the big fat guy get, died because he got yeah, beat Yeah, to yeah, death.
1: yeah, yeah. Well, he did, but I was trying to remember what it was he got beat with.
0: I like the warden that comes down. And he's like, "What in the blue fuck was that?" Yeah, I, just, I really like that line.
1: Can we talk about some of the awesome lines? This. There's
0: actually quite a great amount of comedy throughout this entire oh, movie. It was so good. Stretched in with this drama elements. Like to be able to to like level that with comedy and drama for three hours in this like epic prison movie, that is there's some this really is like, funny to me bits in this.
1: Why this is should be higher up, way higher up than it is.
0: Because <laughs> there was a moment in this that you're referring to, I know you're laughing at, aren't you? That you didn't know was coming. Like I've seen this a lot. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and then you—I lost my bananas. I did, and you looked at me, and you're like, "Have you not seen that before?" And I was like, "No, it was so good." I want to shit in your hat and have Mae West sit on my face because I'm one horny motherfucker. Oh my god, I just lost my shit. It's oh, the way it was he so says good. hat.
0: He's like, "I want to shit in your hat," like. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great yeah or even, well, even before another... that where he's like praying to jesus <laughs> <laughs> praying silence that... you idiot
1: <laughs> just that whole sequence was so funny i don't know what that old guy's name is he's he's some old prisoner who's not on the the block he's somewhere else but he's just he's so funny
0: around. you see him cleaning something later and
1: on. good behavior that he gets to yeah. go do that Um, or even, there's a scene with Wild Bill, somebody's looking at him the wrong way, he's like, what? What, you wanna kiss my ass? You wanna suck my dick? You know what I mean? Like, he's just, like, taunting him. I think he was talking to Percy or somebody. Like, I don't know. But it was just, like, there's so many good little quips just thrown in there, but that... That has got to be like one of my favorite lines out of a movie. And it just ever.
0: comes out of nowhere, and I think that's the point. Yeah. Because they're all they're preparing to execute someone on the electric chair, they're doing and the this practice guy's sitting yeah. in there. And he says something like that. Yeah. Um, and Any last words?
1: Yeah. 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 Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you like that, don't
1: you? I'm gonna have the giggles now. Okay. Um sorry okay um to to
0: go from that point i just wanted to say the moment you realize that wild bill sam rockwell's character is the one who actually kills the two girls that coffee's in there for Mm. it's it's kind of done in a flashback and it shows the little girls running around you see them playing on the swings and then all of a sudden it pans over and you see him just standing there painting a fence and then later on he's He's sitting at the dinner table and that's all you need to show. And you know yeah. everything. And I think that's yeah. great visual storytelling because as soon as you see his face, you have a light bulb click and you're like, oh, fuck, that's, that's fucked up.
1: Well, there's been build up to it throughout. Like Everything's lined up in just such a way that there's no other choice but to have that light bulb moment. Yes. If you don't have it, you haven't been watching the movie. You know what I mean? Like It's just, he's done such a great job with it.
0: Well, to compare it back to Shawshank, there's a lot of the movie where you don't know that this person is guilty or innocent. You don't know as the audience. And then all of a sudden you know he's innocent. Holy fuck, right? Morgan Freeman has that moment with um Andy Delfrane and Tom Hanks has that moment in this with um Coffee. John
1: Coffee. What for me always bothered me is that John is a simple minded person like and he says that too. i'm not i'm not very smart you know like i've never been very smart um he kind of screwed himself so they find him there crying with those little girls and him saying
0: i tried to take it back
1: i tried to take it back but it was too late that's what really nails him to the wall. I
0: don't think, well, I think he was fucked because, anyway, honestly. Well,
1: yeah, but like that makes it like that's like the nail on his coffin. Yeah, basically. but I don't think right? he was
0: really thinking about it in the moment.
1: But also, he doesn't have any more vocabulary with which to express that. And yeah. that's what bothered me. He, like, even throughout, it's like you could say that differently, but you're not educated enough to know how to. And that always just really bothered me because it's like, maybe there's some little glimmer of something where it's like he could have, if he'd have said it differently, it would have made more sense. And it's brought up throughout the movie um, and you learn, you learn eventually what, you know, him taking it back means. But you never know, like, there's just on a few levels like you don't know what it is like he's not taking anything back he's taking it away so taking it back infers that he once had it you know what i mean like it's just linguistically there's a few different levels as to why that bothers me i look into shit way too much anyway that being
0: said there's the scene in the shawshank redemption with andy dufresne who's very smart very educated they're tarring the roof Mm. And he walks over to the guard and the very first thing that he says is, do you trust your wife? Yeah. And it's like, pick your words a little better, mate. Like, yeah. And the guard's like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Like, pick yeah. up your mop again and get back to work. But he could have handled that better and he's he's much smarter. <laughs> he handles yeah. that like John Coffey would. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's just Stephen King's writing. <laughs> mm. It creates tension there.
1: Well, and for good reason. To go back to the fact that there was a big chunk of this I'd never seen, I had never seen the end before. I didn't know that Paul Edgecombe and Mr. Jingles lived for, s- like, what is it, 60 years after Yeah, so you hadn't years.
0: seen the very beginning part, and you hadn't seen the very end part, so you didn't know it was based in, like, the 90s or when it was yeah. set.
1: I'd seen, I think I'd seen the very beginning part, but I'd never seen the very end, and it's a nice touch um like I had always just thought you know John dies and then Paul goes home and that's kind of the end of it yeah and it wraps up some nice way this is just to me it's such an interesting interesting story I like stuff like this where it's like I'm either as far as books and stories go I like something that's either like really way out there like in some imaginative place like lord of the rings or the chronicles of narnia or something that's in a fictional place or something that's in the world but it's got a touch of something that doesn't exist i wonder
0: i'm just trying to think of other ones where you have that because you either like you said you have that you that fantasy or that supernatural but what else is like set in reality like this except for one little bit you don't you don't have many other examples
1: Harry Potter kind of is, but not really. Not um, really. Um,
0: like, if the movie was about something else, and then all of a sudden this kid could talk to snakes, like, in the side thing, maybe. Yeah. But I'm just talking, like, what other movie has a storyline? Oh, and there's, like, one supernatural element in there. Um,
1: I I had one, and now I can't remember what it was. Um,
0: just going back to the ending of this, I feel like the ending of this feels very much like titanic james cameron's titanic from a few years before this
1: i was just gonna say i think the sixth sense kind of does
0: yeah okay i like the sixth sense
1: yeah
0: yeah that's that's not a bad example um yeah or even unbreakable the one after that is m night Shyamalan again with bruce willis mm. and that's very mm. very good that's kind of like a superhero movie but it's not really it's set in reality so that's a good example um, yeah so we'll be covering Titanic after Apocalypto next month. So the ending of that movie, both of these are three hour epics. I think Titanic's like three and a half, like it's fucking long. But the ending of it is because essentially both of the movies are stories told by old people from when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you go back to a present day, quote unquote, when they're mm-hmm. their old self, they're both over 100 years old, and they're remembering this time, this, this better time, when they were younger. Um, mm-hmm. and the very last scene in both of those is them lying in their bed and it pans over and you can see a bunch of photos from when they were younger these black and white photos sitting on their dresser and you've got this mm. like awesome orchestral music playing through It's very much hits the exact same notes to put the, both of these movies to rest and I really like those because those make you really feel and I'll be talking a lot more about the end scene in Titanic um, in that episode because I think that there's some very powerful things that you see in the photos and and the messages in the present day there but I just I'd never made that connection before between this and the ending of Titanic they they do actually hit quite a lot of the same notes
1: what are you saying they really make you feel what
0: for the whole story I don't know they make it seem like an epic these people lived a much bigger life after this story that you've just finished watching.
1: I feel too like that's where a lot of the feel-good element comes from. You know? Yeah, you.
0: I I think you'd feel more for this character knowing that you're thinking back to this time. Like, even Saving Private Ryan, which we did two weeks ago, that has an old guy at the end remembering back to this time when he was in these moments that we just watched. So, we you touch on it in the beginning, you go through this thing that was set years in the past, and then you touch on it again in the end, and it it's a really nice bookend for these great, epic stories that mm. you wouldn't get unless you had those in there
1: mm. no for sure
0: Is anything that you're still thinking about when you're like in your 80s or over 100 it must have really had an impact on you and obviously the stories depicted in those three movies did but i don't know There's there's a nice touch there mm. where they they go back to the older people and they're telling these stories um i like it i really do
1: yeah yeah It's a good way to finish off those stories.
0: We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials and comment on SoundCloud. And until next week, thanks for listening. I actually checked it a couple of hours ago and... um, there's this Japanese samurai movie from 1962 that's actually, like, dropped down, like, 12 places. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's more than that. It's, like, 20 places. And I'm like, where did this movie come from? I've never heard of it. It just popped in there, and it's apparently number 28 at the moment. No. But no. I'm not doing that. I'll I'll deal with it later. If it's still there in a couple of weeks, I'll do it then. Yep. Um, But it's, like, from 62. Usually they pop in when they're, like, brand new. Mm. Weird. I don't know why its popularity changes.